Glad to be back with you this morning. Um, of course, want to publicly say thank you to those of you who brought meals. Several of you dropped some encouraging notes in the mail. And, uh, of course, I know many of you prayed for me and my family on a daily basis. Let me tell you what the plan is going forward. Uh, the doctor told me it could be up to two months uh, before I start feeling back to my normal self. It really is going to be about six months before we know whether or not all, everything we're doing is working to fix the problem. Uh, I do have a few more tests to get through. There's probably going to be some adjustments to my medication. Uh, because of all that, just for a few weeks, I'm only going to be speaking on Sunday morning uh, just to kind of uh, keep making sure that we're progressing forward. Uh, I appreciate so many of you have been patient so much. Uh, so many of you have been generous. Um, I, I appreciate it as we continue or as I continue to try to get back to some form uh, of a normal. My wife is certainly happy that I can do a little bit more around the house than sit around and, and uh, cry out her name for bring me things. Um, and so uh, you can, you can uh, be, she can be thankful for it, but appreciate your patience in all of this. It was never the expectation that I'd be gone as long as I was, um, but we just needed or I needed to really just address the issue that was at hand. All right, with that said, let's pray this morning. Father, uh, thank you again for the recovery so far that I have had. Thank you that we can meet together as a church. We pray, Father, this morning for many who are not here this morning because they are sick, uh, some because they are traveling, some because they are celebrating. Uh, and we just pray, Father, by your grace and mercy that soon we would be all together again and we would sing together and pray together, Father, and praise your name together and worship together. And now I just pray you would help me to do a good job this morning. I pray you help all of us, Lord, to be drawn to you through your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If there is an easy observation to make, it seems as though all the world is unstable. Of course, we see what's happening in Afghanistan we can come to our own country and see to the west of us the wildfires and the east of us the floods. Of course, to the south of us is a hurricane. But we get a little closer to home and we look at the Great Plains and we see the drought that we have been dealing with. Get a little bit closer to home and maybe you saw the, the press conference held by the director of emergency medicine at North Platte dealing with the rise in COVID hospitalizations. Or maybe like me, simply the last few months have been a personal instability. Or maybe for you, it's, a, it's been a job that you have not looked forward to going to every morning. Maybe you're dealing with uh, health issues like I have. Maybe a, a relationship is not as strong as you want it to be. And when things feel unstable, we begin to feel weak. And when we feel weak, we become very desperate for any kind of stability. If you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, it's more like a sermon than it is a letter. And its subject really is to sticking to faith in Christ during unstable times. The big idea of the book is that Jesus is better. And he, he really kind of means that in two ways. First... The book of Hebrews is going to say that Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrificial system. But it's also going to say to you that Jesus is better than any good thing that you could obtain by abandoning Jesus. 
It's going to say that Jesus is better than the law of Moses. But Jesus is also better than any job promotion you might get if you didn't take your faith so seriously. And Jesus is better than the angels. And Jesus is better than your neighbor thinking well of you because you took a socially acceptable position on a social issue. Now in chapter 2, the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is better because he is able to help those who are weak. In chapter 4, the author says that Jesus is better because he can sympathize with those who are weak. And here in chapter 7, the Bible's arguing that Jesus is better because he can save those who are weak. But the idea is not just saving you in the sense of making you a Christian. It is the idea that he can save you even if you contribute nothing, much like he did for the thief on the cross. It is the idea he can save you even if you're in the midst of struggling with doubt as a Christian. It is the idea he can save you even if you have a sin that you struggle with as a Christian. He can save you even if you don't help very much. He can save you even if you're physically or mentally or emotionally unwell. The idea there is that he can save in the entirety. We see the word in the, in the text this morning to the uttermost. Now this verse, the reason I'm preaching on it this morning is here in Hebrews 7.25, this verse has been rattling around in my head through all of the trials that I have been facing for the last two months. And what I want to show you this morning is how you can be confident in a stable salvation during unstable times. You can be confident in a stable salvation during unstable times. And so let's see three points for you this morning. How can you be confident? Number one, you can be confident in a stable salvation because you came to God through Christ. I want you to see the phrase in verse 25. It says, come to God through Christ. The author is going to use it several times in the book of Hebrews. It's the idea of having access to God, standing in the presence of God. For most of us, it would be the idea of simply having a meeting. To be able to meet with God. Having a backstage pass, if you will. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament system, there was always an intermediary for this meeting. A priest would present you and your sacrifice to God. And and Hebrews points out two problems with this. The first one was that there was never a sacrifice that you could make that would make you perfect. In other words, there were no sacrifices that you could give that would bring an end to the need to give a sacrifice. You see, the Old Testament sacrifices were about forbearance. The idea was you you gave the sacrifice to hold back the wrath of God. And so you had to you had to give these sacrifices over and over and over again. But the second problem the book of Hebrews is going to point out is the priest that set up the meeting with God was often having to sacrifice for his own sins. The intermediary that was provided by the Mosaic system wasn't always right with God. Your position was never secure. 
It was never secure because you had to sacrifice over and over and over again. And it was never secure because the person who set up the meeting with God might be disqualified to do so. And if you have no way to come to God, then you have no way to make a sacrifice. And if you have no way to make a sacrifice, then there is nothing holding back the wrath of God. You need someone qualified to set up that meeting. And the argument the Bible's making here is Jesus is that qualified priest. He has the ability to bring you to God. If you want to meet with God, if you want to be there, the place to meet with God is in the person of Jesus Christ. And know what the text says. He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. He is your intermediary. He is the one who's brought you to God's presence. And that's why you have this morning the ability to meet with God. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd write something like this down. I did not come to God on my own qualification. I did not come to God on my own qualification. I came on the qualifications of Jesus Christ, his life, his sacrifice. And so I can meet with God. But let's get into some real problems. All of us, all of us want to think that we can meet with God because of our own qualification to do so. All of us have a list inside of us. And on that list are things that we think that if they're true, or if we do them, then we must be qualified to come to God. You see that often with people who will disappear from church and then have some catastrophe happen to them. And they'll show up for a few Sundays because they think, well, i, I got to get myself back to being qualified to talk to God. And maybe on your list are some things like vote Republican, or maybe on your list is I'm not divorced, or on your list is I'm always active in church, and I'm not saying any of those things are bad things. The problem is, is that we create these lists that make us think that we, on our own qualifications, can come to God. But that leads to another problem. Your list and my list are different. You see, I, if I think on my list is I've never been divorced, and I say because I've never been divorced, I can come to God, well, what does that do for those of you who have been? It means those of you who have been divorced have no hope to ever being able to meet with God. Or perhaps, perhaps on your list is, you know what? Because I'm a farmer, I can meet with God. If that's true, I have no hope. I mean, I have a few chickens and a couple of tomatoes, but I'm not a farmer. But unfortunately, we all have a tendency to take good and wonderful things and make the mistake of thinking because they're good and wonderful things that are true about us. We can make our own introduction to God. But you can only come, if you want a stable salvation, you can only come to God through Jesus Christ. 
And if you come to God through Jesus, he makes it acceptable for you to have that meeting. And the biggest encouragement I find in that idea is that the stability of my salvation is based on the fact that I can meet with God by a stable priest. And so when I have good days and when I have bad days, when I'm full of faith and full of emotions, when I'm completely unstable myself, it doesn't actually shake the foundation I stand on. Or another way to say it is, I know my salvation is stable even when I am not. It was never my qualification. As the Bible says in another place, I need to take these good and wonderful things and I need to count them as rubbish as it pertains to having the right to come to God in prayer, in song, in worship, and in devotion. My salvation is stable because I came to God through Christ. But that leads me to number two. The second reason I can be confident that my salvation is stable in unstable times is this. Number two, Christ is eternal administrator. Christ is an eternal administrator. The biggest idea in this text is the idea that Jesus lives Forever, We see that in verse 25. Jesus is able to save completely, seeing that he lives forever. Now, the argument that the text is making here is this. In the Old Testament, you might remember a moment where Abraham goes to war against several local despots. The Bible calls them kings of certain cities. Now, Abraham wins the war, and on his way home, he encounters a man by the name of Melchizedek. A man described as the king of Salem or the king of righteousness. And to this man, Abraham gave a tenth of his possessions as a gift to God. And that gift to God was done through Melchizedek. In essence, Melchizedek acted as a priest for Abraham. In response, Melchizedek blessed Abraham because of his gift to God. Now, why is that a big deal? Because Abraham was whose father? Levi. And the Old Testament priesthood came from the tribe of Levi. And the argument the Bible's making here is that because Abraham received a blessing from Melchizedek, Melchizedek had the superior priesthood to the priesthood of Levi. The greater always blesses the lesser. But then the Bible goes on to point out we have no record of Melchizedek's birth. We have no record of his death. And he uses then, the author of Hebrews uses Melchizedek as a picture of an eternal life. And all of that's meant to bring us to Jesus. Jesus is describing as having the priesthood based on the order of Melchizedek. You see, Jesus wasn't from the tribe of Levi. He was not a priest by birth. Jesus was a priest because he was appointed by God. His priesthood is superior because it is eternal. The little bit the, the Levitical priesthood had to always be refreshed. Why? Because the priest would die. But Jesus is eternal. He's the continual priest. If you want to understand the picture that Hebrews is writing here, we are Abraham. Jesus is Melchizedek. We have eternal blessing of eternal standing before God because we have an eternal priest. Or we could say, I'm acceptable to God because I have an eternal priest. I I am eternally acceptable because he is eternally acceptable. Now, if you're going to write something down, I'd write something like this. I remain acceptable before God because of the goodness of Christ. 
Now, if there's a problem with the fact that uh, we think there are things that make us acceptable, we probably have a bigger problem with the idea that there are certain things that keep us acceptable. And this has been a problem, continual problem, through the history of the Christian church. Even denominations like ours that can be very, very good at telling people and explaining to people that the only way to meet with God is through Jesus, we sometimes fall back into talking and teaching in such a way that leaves the impression that what we do keeps us acceptable to God. One of the reasons that happens is because we like the feeling that God likes us because of what we do. We like to think because we do certain things or we wear certain clothes or we follow certain preachers that we must be God's favorite kid. We like to think because we don't go to certain places or we don't watch certain things or we don't listen to the bad famous preachers that we must be God's favorite kid. But then what happens? What happens when you mess up? What happens when you sin? What happens when you find yourself disappointed with the way you reacted because it was with fear or with a lack of faith? Well, then we just assume what? We must be God's most hated kid. And all of those ups and downs can be mitigated by understanding that because Christ is eternally acceptable, I am eternally acceptable. Because Christ is an eternal, stable priesthood, I have a salvation that remains stable even when I am not. Now, another problem is that people are often very easily manipulated if they think that what they do controls whether or not they are okay with God. And usually the control is with the weapon of guilt. You can control people. If you think or you get them in the idea that one little misstep and they're no longer safe from God's wrath. Let me give you the craziest example I could find. Several weeks ago, a friend of mine sent me a clip of a sermon, and I'm kidding you not, where the preacher declared that being a paramedic or a fireman was a sinful occupation for a Christian. I watched that clip over and over in utter unbelief. A person can become unacceptable to God if they become a firefighter? But then again, you start thinking, are we watching the world do the same thing? Using people's feelings of guilt to control them? Of all the kinds of people out there, we should be the ones free of such manipulative nonsense. Yet, it's found among us. Unfortunately, I have heard and seen in this time Christians implying that getting vaccinated or being unvaccinated, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, having mental health issues, taking medication, eating certain foods, buying coffee from certain places. I have heard Christians suggest, imply, that any of those things have the potential to make you unacceptable to God. But you can sit here confident that you can come to God because you came through Christ and you can be confident that you stand right with God because Jesus has an eternal priesthood. You don't remain acceptable. You don't keep yourself acceptable by your goodness. 
Your place before God is secure because you have an eternal high priest who has an eternal ministry because he lives forever. But that leads us to number three, the third reason you can be confident in a stable salvation in unstable times is number three, because Christ makes intercession for you. Because Christ makes intercession for you. Look at the final phrase in verse 25, seeing he, that being Jesus, ever liveth to make intercession for them, that would be them who, the them there would be those who put their faith in him. Now the idea of intercession in the biblical sense is not one we're really familiar with. In a labor dispute, uh, a company and a union might get a mediator to try and figure out how to get compromise worked out. Sometimes when people get divorced, they'll get a mediator, and the goal of the mediator is to get one side to relinquish a desire or another side to relinquish a demand to kind of get to an agreeable settlement. But there's no compromise or forfeit of demand when it comes to Jesus as our mediator. His mediation is perfect. So through his life, death, and resurrection, he satisfies the justice and holiness of God. But because of his intercession, he can provide help to us to overcome our sin struggles. He can strengthen us in our times of need. He can keep us from straying too far because he represents us before the Father. He speaks up on our behalf. And the point the Bible is making here is if Jesus has such a ministry, which he does, then why would any Christian run to anything inferior What value would there be going to an intercessor who had to make sacrifices for their own sin? What value is it going back to Levitical priests who would have to be replaced over and over? The point being that the the author is trying to lay out there, there's no help there. Or another way to put it would be this, when we experience times of trouble, when their lives were upended and In every way, their lives are unstable. They can be confident that they do not face these problems alone. And having Jesus is much greater than the stable life that might come by abandoning Jesus. And later in chapter 9, the Bible put it this way. Jesus is the high priest of better things to come, of a greater tabernacle. But lastly, if you're taking notes, you can write down with confidence, I do not have to fear God's wrath for my sin because Christ daily intercedes for me we do not struggle with sin we do not deal with our hurts and pain alone we are not reliant on our strength to overcome the issues of life sometimes in fact over the last few months i have had to remind myself that i don't need to be stephen the strong or william the wise but nobody here has to be but i want you to understand where all of this is going if i'm saved because i came to god through christ and I remain before God because of Christ, and I have help and strength coming to me from Christ, then what I have is stability. Now, I have stability because Jesus Christ was made the surety of my salvation, as it says in verse 22. The idea being that Jesus is bound to perform these things. Jesus Christ secures my salvation for all who come to him. So let's make this application. As a Christian... Have you ever felt like chucking the whole living for Jesus thing? I know some have. You ever had a season where you grew slowly disinterested in the things of Christ? I know some have. 
Or maybe you've gotten fed up with how easy it is, or easy as it seems, to, to go wayward, how easy it is to get lazy. Maybe like many Christians, you've had the fear that you will not make it to the end. That somehow you're going to mess everything up and God is going to finally get exhausted with your failure. You need to remind yourself that you have a great promise. That your Savior, your Lord, your Master, every day pleads for you before the throne of grace. And he has taken up an oath to be the one who makes sure you make it to eternal life. And what does it say here? He's able to save to the uttermost. So no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in politics in Washington or national disasters southeast, west of us, no matter of droughts or overcrowded hospitals, no matter how much you've struggled this past week or today with a besetting sin, no matter how many times you have wondered and struggled and doubted, if you came to God through Christ, he will save you to the uttermost. And if you haven't come to God through Christ, understand you can come without being qualified to do so because Jesus will be your qualification. And no matter how hard you fall, Christ is one who is able to keep your place in the family of God. Don't fall for the trap of thinking you have to keep it up to make it to glory. Because no matter how helpless or unstable you feel, Jesus Christ is daily making intercession for you and can bring you the help you need because he is able to save to the uttermost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these reminders of the stability of what we have in such unstable times. Lord, we have this confidence because we came to you through Christ, and that means that we are qualified to meet with you. And Father, we came because of Christ's eternal priesthood. Lord, we can stand before you always. And because Christ makes intercession to us uh, for us, Father, I know that we can make it to the end. And so, Father, we thank you for this stability. We thank you for the glory that comes with it. In Jesus' name, amen.